Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you again. You are great, Father. And we want to leave this place with a heart full of joy. And we thank you for the body. We thank you for those who have labored this week to make this possible. Thank you for using broken, broken vessels. Only you, God, could take something so broken, fill it with glorious power, and turn it into something so useful. And so for that, Father, we are thankful, but we are, we are people who so easily forget. And so we ask, Father, by your grace and your Holy Spirit, through prayer and your word, through the body, through encouraging each other, that you would remind us that we are people, Father, that are treasured through Christ. And we want to be reminded, Father, that you want to do great and mighty things through us for your sake. And so help us to fight off any lies, Father. Whatever sin has crushed us this week, whatever guilt hangs over our heads, may the gospel come crashing in and wash our thoughts and the lies away and free us in our minds that we are forever loved and forever forgiven and nothing can separate us from the love of God. And may we leave here doing a great work. And may Bethel have a new name and a new mission, a new season, a new season of power. May the city know as they walk by that God is in this place. And Father, we will point it all to you. You alone are great. In our Savior's name we pray, amen. Hey, can we just thank our worship team, our sound team? Oh, you can sit. Unless you want to stay standing, we can... It's a party in here today. It's Memorial Day weekend. I'm excited. Uh, but I do want to thank you guys. I know, uh, I know it's a lot. One of the hardest things in the world is, is uh, worship and sound. Um, they are the guys that if a technical problem happens, everybody looks at poor them when they had nothing to do with it. Um, but I love you guys, and thank you so much for the hard work. Thank you guys for your patience as Bethel's in a new season, and I have slightly challenged us lately. Uh, but thank you guys for your willingness to uh, run this race with me, and I'm, I'm super excited. Let's do something a little different today in the way of a sermon series. Let's go to Psalm 42, and I want to help you out with a thought that's been on my heart. We've been in a series. Uh, go ahead and turn to Psalm 42. We've been in a series talking about foundations for Bethel, and we have been talking about the Word of God being a foundational mark of this church. Next, we're probably, I think we're going to talk about the gospel, salvation being a centerpiece of this church. And then after that, who knows what the Holy Spirit will do. But I want to take a break and I want to speak to us in light of Memorial Day weekend and encourage us. So once again, we're remembering those who've died fighting for freedom. And that's a staggering reality, isn't it? Um... Rick was praying in the green room here before we came out, and he was praying to that end, and it really hit me um, that my complaining or my frustration in light of what has been done to put us in the place we're in in this country, uh, it's really foolish. We are our people most blessed to be in this country, and so we remember that today. And while this awakens many emotions of thankfulness, at least in my heart, coming from somewhat of a military family, 82nd Airborne, it also awoke a new emotion for me. I live in Daly City. That's your cue right there. If you're, all right, all right. We're repping Daly City. Um, yeah, all right, there we go. We're working on it. 
But the Golden Gate uh, National Cemetery, many national cemeteries are in the Bay Area. And uh, when I go through Daly City, I can see a national cemetery and I can see all the white tombstones. And this week, as I drove by once again, what hit me this time around was how much of life is uncertain. I mean, each one of those represents a life. And each one of those represents someone's story and someone who who took a leap of faith and did something valiant for the world. But it really hit me just how uncertain life can be and how hard it is to live in uncertainty. And it really really allowed the Holy Spirit to awaken what James says, that life is but a vapor. It's here one minute, and it very well could be gone the next. Um, Let me give a little plug for The Hobbit's. I hate to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm in the Hobbit cult. I watch the movie weekly. Yeah, I, I, I'm working through it. But talking about uncertainty, it, it, it just, if you can remember the beginning of the movie or if you've read the books, you think of Bilbo and uh, when Gandalf, who is a type of a picture of God, the gospel is woven throughout that whole movie. And he's a picture of God coming to this one who is, who's nothing but, but he can be something if he will have faith and take the step of faith and leave, the, uncertain, leave the, the certainty and the comfort of his home and go out into the uncertain world and follow this godlike figure. You never saw that, did you? That, that's what's going on in The Hobbit. But it's amazing when Gandalf comes to his house and the tension that Bilbo has, he says this, as Gandalf says, it's time to go on an adventure, an uncertain adventure, and even tells Bilbo, I do not know if you'll return. And Bilbo, it's beautiful, he says, sorry, I don't want any adventures, thank you, not today, but please come to tea anytime you like, goodbye, and he slams the door. And the whole scene is everything we are. It is, I don't want to leave the certainty and the comfort of my own home and and go out into this life where uncertainty exists. And oftentimes as human beings, uncertainty is is a frightful thing. And so what we do is we try to create certainty, don't we? We can try to accumulate things like wealth. We can try to create things like success because as long as I have wealth or success, I feel like nothing can can infringe on that and create uncertainty. I'm, I'm, I'm secure in these things. And we found out just 10 years ago that that is not true. So much of life is simply uncertain. It makes us feel as if we have taken uncertainty away When unfortunately, friends, we haven't. And the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. Think about that. The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. Do you know just becoming the pastor of Bethel Christian Church was terrifying but exciting? Because I'm like, what am I doing? I've got the comforts of Elk Grove, California in all of its suburban lifestyle. I've got a decent paycheck. I've got friends. I've got an established ministry. We beat the odds. We're in year six of a church plan. And then God starts moving in this thing. And I think, yeah, this is exciting. But at the same time, this is radically uncertain. What is going to happen to this thing? And you're on the other end going, who is this young guy? This is totally uncertain. What is he going to do to us? 
And we're all kind of coming together with this uncertainty. It's frightening. Life is frightening when we're uncertain. And so what we need to do is we need to bring ultimate reality into this, this journey called life. We need to bring that Gandalf figure, or the one he points to, into the uncertainty so we have some stability or something we can fall back on. We need God to be injected into any situation that is hinging on the uncertain to make some sense of it all. Wouldn't that be great? Like, God, I don't know what the future holds. You've given me the ability to look backwards and see the past, but you have veiled the future. And I know why you've done it, because you want me to cling to you. And so, God, I need a way to grab a hold of you because I have about four things in my life that are freaking me out. Chronicles of Narnia? You remember when the the great serpent was wrapped around the ship, when the dawn treader was sailing, and Lucy is terrified. And Lewis writes this, and this is what we need. But no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mass, this demon, something came in and whispered to her. Listen now. Courage, dear heart. Courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure was Aslan's. Aslan, the lion, a picture of Jesus Christ. Lucy, in all of her uncertainty, heard, as it were, the voice of Christ calming her and saying, I know you don't know how this is going to work out. I do believe. So it was an interesting week. Graduates graduated this week. Awesome. Awesome. We went to a graduation this week. At that graduation, I heard speeches about excitement, but the fear of we don't know what the future holds. I mean, we're terrified, but we're excited. We're excited because we're out of high school and we're grown-ups, but we're terrified of the uncertainty of adulthood. And then at that graduation, I ran into a guy I knew, an older man. He's probably close to 80 now. And he was telling me, he was telling me, he was terrified at the uncertainty of growing old because he had his fourth hernia operation to try to fix this thing he's going through and all of this. But even he was living in this terrified uncertainty. And then I leave that, and I'm driving away, and I'm thinking, man, i got to get home. And I'm terrified of all kinds of my, my own uncertainties. i got to get on an airplane. And that's when it hit me, those, those words of Lewis. I need to hear from the Lord Jesus, courage, dear heart. So how do we bring God into our uncertain situations? All of us are going through it. So we can feel a sense of stability in God and go into the unknown strengthened by God. The other side of fear is freedom. And if I could figure a way to cast the the fear away of the uncertain situation that I face, and all of us are facing, then I could be free of it and have faith to go forward in it and do something great for God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Psalm 42. And we're going to find a few things to consider, a few things to remember, to grab a hold of, that we can use in times of uncertainty to strengthen us to go forward in the fight. You ready? Say ready. Ready. I want to make sure you're there. 
Here's the context. Go to Psalm 42, grab a pew Bible. I don't know what page it's on. Look in the index. Here's the context of Psalm 42. By the way, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 were probably one song. Now remember this. These are songs. Songs to be sung so we'll remember something. And I love the fact that it's so transparent. This guy is jacked up. Uh, Written by the sons of Korah, one of the sons of Korah. You'll remember there were professional musicians in the Old Testament. And he begins to write about this intense problem. The psalmist is struggling with some uncertain situation. We don't exactly find out what it is. Probably because God wants us to put all of our uncertain situations into this text. The psalmist has no idea what the outcome is going to be, and he is struggling. Look at Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. That is no joke right there. Here's what he's saying. Even though God is like an ocean of power and grace and love, the psalmist would give anything if God would just show up like a puddle. Ever been there? uncertain situation you're trying to find this great God and it it feels like you can only see glimpses of him you can only grab glimpses of him he says in verse 2 my soul thirsts for God man I've been thirsty before but there is nothing quite as hard as soul thirst God I need you here for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? I love, the, I love the, the openness of this man's heart. He doesn't want to take the journey of life. He doesn't want, he's tired of wrestling with the uncertainty of life. Because he doesn't know what the future holds. And I love how honest he is. I would love to be in heaven right now. Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. He's lost his appetite. He can't eat. He's weeping over his terrifying, uncertain situation. This is, by the way, uh, an echo of, of literal clinical depression. Second half of three. While they say to me all the day long, where's your God? He's starting to believe what others are saying. And maybe the Christian faith isn't sufficient to help me. Because I can't find God in this uncertainty. Maybe I need to look elsewhere. And then he says in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng. And lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. He feels alone in his uncertainty. He's remembering when he had the community around him, when he had the people of God around him, and now he's fallen into the trap of isolation. He feels alone. Anybody with him right there? Man, this will come throughout our lives. So let's watch how he deals with his uncertainty. I'm going to give you three quick points this morning, and let's not let them be points. Let us let these be Things that warm the heart and create a handle to grab a hold of in a time of uncertainty. Three things very quickly. Number one, here's what the psalmist does. When uncertainty exists, speak to your mind. Speak to your mind. 
probably one of the greatest, most powerful truths I've ever learned in Christianity right here. Did you get it? See, I'm watching some of you. Some of you guys I watched before church, you fill in the blanks on that little thing before the sermon. I'm going to start grading these. So the first thing he says in Psalm 42 to combat that emptiness is that when uncertainty exists, he speaks to his own mind. I love this. So whatever your uncertainty, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. I want you to think of how you've convinced yourself the situation will turn out. Most of the time, when you're faced with uncertainty, how have you already determined it's going to turn out? I can tell you how I'm Eeyore in those situations. It's not going to turn out. I I tend to talk myself into the worst. Oh man, I don't know what to do with this and surely it's going to end up like, instead of saying, or surely God is God and this is going to happen. See, it's a battle of the mind. It's It's a battle of the thought life. So look at Psalm 42. He says in verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? What is he doing right there? He's speaking to himself. He starts talking to himself. Self, why are you thinking the worst? And he doesn't just say self. He says soul, my soul. That's the deepest part of the human. And so you got to realize, guys, that the lies that your mind tells you when you're in times of uncertainty are brutal. And if you intentionally listen to what your own mind, your own flesh is telling you in times of uncertainty, you'll be shocked. I mean, my mom, when growing up, she used to say, you're making, what did she say? You're making a mountain of a molehill. And every time it was right. I think it was Mark Twain who said, I've worried my whole life, most of which it never, never came true. We tend to have faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my heroes, next to Lewis and Tolkien, he was a great preacher. He wrote a book on spiritual depression from Psalm 42, and we use this book and this text in Psalm 42 so much in our last church to heal people. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Isn't that precious right there? I mean, the outcome in my mind is going to be a disaster. And if you look at Psalm 42, 5 again, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Why do I keep telling me the worst is going to happen here? And so Jones goes on to say, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. His soul had been depressing him. Love that. So he says, self, be silent. I will speak to you. You see, guys, whatever most influences the mind wins the thought. 
And so as we're going in times of uncertainty, whether you're a graduate or maybe even up in age or maybe you're battling addiction and you've had a good week or whatever it may be and you're thinking, man, I don't know what, what the future holds, but I am terrified. Keep, keep in mind the lies that are going on in your head and begin to speak back to them. Or I can say it like this, argue truth into your mind. Argue with yourself. This keeps me afloat week to week. Now you're like, man, you are crazy. I spend a lot of time talking to myself. As a matter of fact, if you, if you want to know how wacky I get, if you come in here through the week, I will be in here by myself. I will be walking around this building right here in this room talking to myself. I'm glad nobody sees it. I am arguing with the lies of my head, and that's why we've been doing this series on the truth of the Bible. I take this Bible, and I say, This is what God says to your soul, John. Now, I begin to speak that back at myself to counter these lies until the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 we're building faith right now. Psalm 43.3, remember one song here, Psalm 43.3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. He says, God, I need your truth. I need the truth to to be argued with my own thoughts. I need to be intentional about doing this. And we're going to counter these lies. See, the unknown, the uncertain works like this. Oh, man, I'm scared to death. It may not work out. No, no, no. This, we're dealing with God. We're dealing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're dealing with a God who is so powerful that with thoughts, he created this existence. How do I know it's not going to work out? Maybe, just maybe, it's going to work out beyond my wildest dreams. So, one, when uncertainty exists, speak to your mind. Speak to yourself. Two, when uncertainty exists, tell yourself that God is sovereign. So you say, what do I tell myself? Give me something. Give me a handle here. What do I begin to argue with my own soul with? Tell yourself that God is sovereign. Sovereign. God is in control. Ah, we hear it and we hear it and we hear it. God is in control. God, you know, it's the bumper sticker talk when you know your friend's bummed out. You say, hey, God is in control. God is in control. What are we really saying there? Psalm 42, 5. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? He begins to speak to his own mind. He begins to argue with his own mind, his soul, through the truth. And he goes like this, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God. The psalmist reminded himself that God was in control of the unknown. You can see it in verse 7. Deep calls to deep. Think of the ocean right here in our beautiful city. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Here's what he's saying, you guys. Think of the ocean. Uh, Maybe you've played in the ocean before and one wave comes and hits you and you're like, oh, that was fun. And then another wave is on you and you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of getting weird. And then another wave hits you and all of a sudden you're going, okay, I don't like this right here. I need a break from this. I'm getting tired here. This is kind of, and you, you start running to the shore. He is saying, that's what, that's what my life is like right now. It's one uncertainty after another. I, I, they're just overloading me. But he attributes them to God. All your breakers and your waves, God, have gone over me. You are in control of this. 
So I say this, even though a situation is uncertain in your life and does not make sense, if God is in control, it is in control. It is only uncertain to you. Now, that is not enough. So let me add another thought to this. Point three, real quick. When uncertainty exists, tell yourself that God is sovereign and he can only do you good. Now sovereignty comes alive. Now his control has real life. Let's tie this all together and we'll shut this down. God's sovereignty is only comforting. God's control over my trials, over my uncertain future, is only comforting if God is for me. My soul. And if you look at Psalm 42, 8, this is what he begins to argue with his own soul. This is what he begins to preach it himself. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. He's saying, he's saying self, why are, we, why are we downcast? Why are we so chaotic towards the unknown, the uncertain? Why are we panicking? God is in control, and God's love is steadfast. Why, did, why are we forgetting this reality? And at night, his song is with me. He sings over me. I sing back to him, and it's about his love. A prayer to the God of my life. Here's what he's saying. No matter the uncertainty, God is in control of my future and it will work for me. You get that? Anything less is terrifying. If there is a God who is in control of my uncertain future and yet that God is not for me or I am not sure that that God is for me, that is a terrifying reality. And it doesn't mean that God is for you in your uncertain future if you are good enough, if you do so much. It means that God has made a covenant, a promise with you to always be for you, to bind himself, to enslave himself, to only do good to you in the uncertain future if you are in his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to throw you a real curveball. Are you ready? We always say, God can do anything. God can do anything, and we believe that. But be careful. God, by his own will, can't do everything. God has bound himself to only do you good. Think about that. He says in Psalm 42, 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Now watch this, my salvation and my God. And what he's doing there by, by preaching this truth to himself, that God is my salvation, he's reminding himself of the promise of grace. Whatever comes into our lives, whatever the uncertainty is, whether it's health or cancer, or education, or no job, or moving, or whatever it may be, God will work it together for our eternal good because God is only for the good of his children. 
That's the handles I need to grab onto when I don't know what the future holds. To be able to say, I don't know what what is about to happen, but here's what I do know. And I'm preaching it at myself until I remember it. That God can only do me good because I'm in Christ. Romans 8.28, right? And we know. See, that's what we got to do. We know what we got to preach what we know at ourselves until we believe it again. And we know that for those who love God, for those who are saved, all things, all uncertain things, all things that come to us have to work together. They're enslaved to work together for good. For those who are called, for those who are saved, according to God's purpose. God's purpose is what? To use all things to make us like Jesus. No matter how uncertain it is, God will make it into a tool to make you like Jesus. Now that, that just brings an invincible feeling right there. I mean, I don't know what this is going to do. I don't know what, 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 is, what is in tomorrow or if I got to turn this corner and make this decision. I don't know what is going to happen. I'm terrified of this. But I know that God has enslaved this situation and promised me that he'll use that thing to make me more like Jesus. Now I can take a step of faith because there's substance. That's awesome. Now you know why I pace this place? Some of you can come like Tuesdays and Thursdays and we'll pace together. We'll preach truth to ourselves until we believe it. <laughs> that would be crazy looking. Whew. Romans eight twenty eight. good. However uncertain it is, he will, he will turn it into good. It means the good on the inside of a person. Whatever the unknown brings, God has enslaved it to work for us to make us like his son, Jesus Christ. This is, this is God's relationship to us concerning all things, Romans 8, 28. All things, even the uncertain things. All things. I do anticipate being on my deathbed one day, looking into the uncertain and the unknown, being terrified yet clinging to this promise that this too will make me like the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold on to that, Bethel. And maybe you're here this morning, I'll shut this down, but maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I get all that, but I'm even a little uncertain about God's love. I mean, I, I, I've, messed, I've messed some things up big time. And I'm really struggling with the thought that he even loves me or I'm struggling with the idea or thought that he's, he's using even my mess, my uncertain mess, to make me... More like his son. I want you to go back to Psalm 42 and and listen very, very closely to my voice. I'm going to give you the ultimate truth to preach to yourself. 42.1 is a dear pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Who does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus. If even God's love feels uncertain to you, I want you to read Psalm 42 this way. 
there was one who truly was dying of thirst, who truly could not eat, who truly wept through the night, who truly said, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? There is one who is truly taunted by his enemies. Where is your God? And that one is Jesus. And you remember and preach the greatest truth, the gospel to yourself. Jesus did all this before us so we could always know his faithfulness and trust in him always, no matter how uncertain life gets. Amen? Let's bow our heads. And I just think this would be a good, good morning for us to begin preaching to ourselves with our heads bowed. And I want to do it with you. Why don't we all tell ourselves right now? Instead of listening to ourselves, let's tell ourselves right now that no matter what we face on this precious Memorial Day weekend, in all of our uncertainty, we can hold on to this. Because I am in Christ, God loves me. And no matter how uncertain it is, I can go forward into it because he's promised to use it to make me like his son. Strengthen your soul this morning. Preach the gospel to yourself. And if you're here and you're not a a Christian, I'm blessed to have you here. And there's one thing you can be certain at. You can know this God. You can know the forgiveness of sin. You can know love, true love, true acceptance, true identity. This is why Jesus came. He died on the cross and he rose again to bring you back into a relationship with God. To take care of the sin, to cover it, to forgive, to love forever. And if you would this morning where you sit in the quietness of your own, your own heart with your head bowed, get rid of the uncertainty of where you're at with God. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. And the music's going to play in just a second. I want you to leave here encouraged, Bethel. Yes, it's uncertain. But we don't need the lies to take us over. Preach this powerful gospel to your own soul. Spend a few more minutes praying before we sing.